How goes the old lyric? It seems we've stood and talked like this before, but I can't remember where or when. The answer? Whenever you choose, wherever you are. I'm Michael Jackson. Welcome. As most of us know, John Edwards, the former United States Senator, former vice presidential candidate with Senator John Kerry, is hoping to head the Democrats' ticket this time around. He's running and running hard for the nomination. In the private sector, he's earned many millions of dollars. In 2005, he described himself as working at an anti-poverty think tank, where he earned simply $40,000. He wanted to learn something about capital markets. Now, how could he have learned in such an environment about capital markets? So then he landed a $480,000 part-time job as a consultant to an investment firm in, are you ready for this, the Cayman Islands. The firm keeps its hedge funds in the Caymans as a tax shelter for its clients. The Wall Street Journal quoted an Edwards spokesperson as saying that John Edwards is running for president to give every American the opportunities that he has had. Is that a wonderful line of you-know-what? If memory serves me well, in 2004 and again this time round, he campaigned against offshore tax shelters. Lest his memory is short, Senator Edwards, you were employed at an investment firm that headquarters most of its private equity funds in one of the world's most notorious tax shelters. Just a reminder, he said with frequency that if he is elected, he will certainly try to abolish offshore tax shelters. I mean, he would if he could, or would he? I find this fact fascinating. Asia now houses some 350 million people who speak English. That's a pretty amazing and important achievement in really a very few short years. I think it will become more and more significant, a linguistic ability, as the years fly by and they become an ever more powerful economy. But 350 million, consider this. That's about the same number of the English-speaking populations of the United States combined with the population of Great Britain and Canada. At the same time, consider this, and this is not so good. A statistic that's becoming more and more difficult to comprehend, in fact. As recently as 1990, the U.S. Census Bureau reported that there were 6.6 .6 million residents who had problems learning English. Fully 6.6 .6 million who were not fluent with our language. A few years pass, and the 2007 figure has now reached 11 million and growing. On the grounds of incompetence, it would appear that the two terms of President George W. Bush will go down as a contender for the title of worst president in the history of this country. Until now, most historians appear to agree with the choice of James Buchanan, who sat in the White House most passively as the country drifted towards civil war. He was uh, Abraham Lincoln's predecessor. There's no comparison between Buchanan and Bush. Bush is in no way a, a passive occupant of the White House. There are others who believe that President Jimmy Carter, himself an outspoken critic of President Bush, might well qualify to join the bottom of the rung presidencies. The peanut farmer from Georgia appears to be far more respected in his years subsequent to serving as chief executive. While in office, he presided over a failing economy, several foreign policy reverses, and that long and humiliating hostage ordeal at the hands of the Ayatollah Khomeini. Something I'd not considered until reading the work of a senior editor at the Weekly Standard, Christopher Caldwell. 
he pointed out that very few presidents do succeed, and looking at the period from the Second World War, of the 11 presidents, only three have been successful. Dwight D. Eisenhower, Ronald Reagan, and Bill Clinton. He also enumerated the most corrupt of our presidents, and we're in accord. Ulysses S. Grant, Warren Harding, and Richard Nixon. But who knows the criteria of the future when judging the present and past? For example, there's no doubt that the major beneficiary of America's warring in Iraq has been our most dangerous enemy. Iran, bent on acquiring a nuclear arsenal. Here's an idea from Richard Cohen of the Washington Post. He noted that Winston Churchill was fat, smoked like a fiend, and was frequently drunk, while Teddy Roosevelt, at five foot eight, was a roly-poly 200 pounds. George W. Bush, on the other hand, is quite trim, doesn't drink, and jogs and bikes daily. He asks, who would you rather have leading your country? Me too. Question. Why is Attorney General Alberto Gonzalez still on the job? The president continues to support him. Does anybody else? Has the Justice Department under his leadership possibly crossed too many lines, both legal and ethical? Is the AG a competent man, or possibly incompetent? I can remember criticizing his predecessor, the former U.S. Senator John Ashcroft, but by contrast, he was a winner. A short while ago, Attorney General Gonzalez declared that he had so many things to do he can't be focused on the U.S. attorney situation. Now, those are his words. Here's my thinking. Their firing of eight respected United States attorneys was either profound incompetence enough to cost the AG his job, or at worst, very possibly a political purge followed by a cover-up. And the scandal just grows. As for Congress, they should be compelling Karl Rove and Hattie Myers to be forthcoming and tell the truth to the American people. Now some odds and ends from the newswires and pages of the newspapers. One of the most effective lines came from a full-page ad for all state insurance for autos, home, life and retirement. They write... If 12 fully loaded jumbo jets crashed every year, something will be done about it. They grab your attention with that obvious statement, and then they write, every year nearly 6,000 teens die in car crashes, and we don't. Isn't it time to make the world a safer place for our teens? The things some scientists do on our behalf. Worried about jet lag? Researchers think they might have just got the answer to boost your spirits. Viagra. While it's too early to know if it will work in humans, researchers in Argentina are reporting that the drug appears to reduce jet lag in hamsters. I tell you frankly, I couldn't give a hoot if any or all hamsters suffer from jet lag. I don't even think they should be flying. I'm not even concerned about their level of sexual arousal. Of course, female hamsters might feel quite differently in this regard. Check in anytime from anywhere for the latest of our commentaries or to check back to an earlier sound journal. Thanks for your company. I'm Michael Jackson.